Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. I'm glad that you've taken time out of your Tuesday evening to interact with us here on That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens. Sitting across the desk from me, as usual, is Pastor Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Uh, Good evening, Dr. Nathan, and good evening to those who might be listening to the program this evening. Pastor Murphy, we have... A couple of questions to address that have come in before we get back to our topic of discipline and corporal punishment. Question in relation to a video that was sent from a listener here in the Caribbean. Brother Nathan, good afternoon. Your topic of corporal punishment Well, what would you say about this video? Would you say that the mother or grandmother overreacted? Uh, Let me just give a brief summary of the video. In the video, there is a young girl, maybe 10 years old, and an adult woman who are seen holding each other's shirts. The adult is saying, let go of my clothes, and the child is also saying, let go of me now. The child lets go and raises her hand, to which the woman responds by slapping her head. They slap at each other, and then the little girl gets knocked to the ground, the woman walks away, and the young woman or the young girl jumps up and hits the woman in the back of the head, which starts a little more slapping until the two are on separate parts of the patio. We don't know the relation between the two, and we don't know what the fight was about. Pastor Murphy, I know you've seen the video. I wish we could show the video to our listeners, but being radio, we don't have that means. What are your thoughts in relation to the video? Well, uh, to be honest with you, I was pretty shocked when I saw uh, the video. I, as you said, I um, I wished it was somehow that the public could could actually see what took place there. Uh, this is one of the examples of what I would call. Uh, I don't know if it's the girl's grandmother. I don't know if it's the, it's the girl's uh, mother. I hope it's not the girl's mother. Uh, she is either the aunt or, and they have the grandmother in the background as well. So, and I'm not too sure if this happened in Antigua, uh, if it happened in another Caribbean island, I'm not too sure exactly uh, the location of, of what took place. But I'll say a few things here. That's exactly the very uh, opposite way, the wrong way, to talk about discipline. Uh, from the video itself, it becomes very clear that uh, this child, uh, probably 7 to 10, somewhere in between 7 to 10, I would I would, I would, uh, make a guess there, um, the way she responded to uh, whether her aunt or her mom, uh, it is clear that she is not being a child who had been disciplined early. 
she is bold and daring, uh, virtually recalcitrant, but also very vindictive. And that is an indication that she has never been truly uh, properly disciplined. As far as the adult is concerned, adult should never do exactly what this lady did. Uh, first of all, um, um, she grabs the little child by the shirt, and, is, 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 and the little girl grabs her shirt as well. And then um, there is a huge push and slap that is given to the little girl and not the little girl to the ground. And then she she turns her back and the little girl turns around and give her a pounding in her own back herself. It, it, it's, it's, it's sad. It, it looks kind of comical, but it's more heartbreaking to, to watch what really happened. And uh, the truth there is that that is not in any way um, how a child should be disciplined. I, I think the person that sent in the video uh, indicated that um, th they felt that that child should be given a good whipping. I think that's what they said. Uh, I, I agree uh, that the child should probably uh, face the whipping because if it's a mom for sure but I don't think the mom is the right person to deal with that at that moment. I don't think the child has any respect for the person who, who uh, did what they did to, to them. And um, so I, I think that it is the wrong way of dealing with the problem. And quite frankly, um, that parent or that aunt or that mom, if it's a mom, uh, I am not too sure where she got her parenting skills from. And I'm, not, I'm very sure she's never learned the principles of how to discipline the child properly and how to get a proper response. Uh, so what I see there, quite frankly, is a child in the future that is not going to have respect not only for her mom and her aunt, is not going to have respect for her boss, her teachers, and probably the police and uh, any person who have a, a responsibility. So I think it's really scarring the child's mind and uh, is preparing a delinquent in the future. And that's very, very unfortunate. I think that's a great way to introduce our topic for this evening and continuing along the lines of corporal punishment, but also focused more on discipline and what are some right and some wrong ways of disciplining. But before we get to that, Pastor, another listener sent in a video talking about 666 in Revelation. And the video is of a man talking about how he had a part in creating the 18-bit computer chip and how that chip can be broken down into three six-bit segments. And if you look at it the way he was looking at it, you have a six-bit segment and a second six-bit segment and a third six-bit segment to make the 18-bit chip, and you have 666, and that he's implying or saying that these chips are implanted in people and these are the mark of the beast. From your understanding and biblical interpretation of the Bible, is that accurate? First of all, I didn't get to see the entire context of the bit, so, uh, and I really didn't understand everything that was being said, because it, it, it came in at a, a, like a, a midway section to whatever he was saying. Um, uh, the thing that I was a little bit concerned about is, you know, as he's trying to make as though this 18-bit um, um, uh, computer chip is somehow a novelty or it is somehow, you know. The truth of the matter is we've gone be beyond the 18-bit 
to the 32-bit to the 64-bit. So I'm not sure what his point was as far as that is concerned. And then it's very convenient to divide the 18-bit into three six three sixes to make them 666, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not how the bit functions. Anybody that knows about the computer, how it functions, quite frankly. Um, the other thing I thought that he was seeming to suggest is that people have already received the chip in some cases and will receive it in the future. And it seems as though they're gonna, they've done this here inadvertently. Uh, when you come to the book of Revelation, uh, that's not the case. In the case of Revelation, this is a choice that is given to people as to whether they want to inv- involve in some kind of commercial transaction. And the Antichrist is going to impose uh, economic sanctions on anybody who doesn't receive this uh, 666 mark. And we also told that this 666 mark in the book of Revelation is the, is the name of a man. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be in a situation where when this person comes on the scene, um, whatever his name is, uh, you will be able to take that name and put it in the Greek or the Hebrew, and it will come up to an equivalent of 666. So there, that's what, it's a mystery about the word. Uh, but that's why um, in the book of Daniel as well, it talks about in the end times, they that have wisdom and understanding will understand these things. So, uh, so I, I don't... Um, I'm not in all uh, in awe of what he was saying, um, so I I don't um, think that there's any validity to what he's saying about that particular bit that he 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 created or whatever he did with it, and I would warn people that you know this is the day of sensationalism, this is the day of distortion. Uh, everybody is trying to come up with some conspiracy theory, and because there's so many of them out there, quite frankly, it's confusing people in terms of what to believe. I think what we need to do is stick with the Word of God and try not to go beyond Scripture in order to be sensational or to get attention or become popular or to get a following. So I think believers need to be very, very cautious uh, in, in, in taking these theories that are being uh, thrown out there and, and, and claiming as though there's some uh, truth to them. We've got to be very, very careful as far as that is concerned. You're listening to That's Truth, a live interactive call-in program here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 741. And there are a number of ways that you can interact with us. We still have about an hour and 20 minutes left in this episode. And you can go ahead and jot down this information so that you can interact with us. Whether it be a question or a concern or a suggested topic you would like discussed in a future episode, we look forward to hearing from you. And thank you to those who have already sent in those messages. You can call and be put live on the air by calling one 268 462 7420. If you'd rather WhatsApp or text, you can send your question to 1-268-782-1454. If you've been listening for the last two weeks, you know that we have been discussing the topic of corporal punishment and uh, discipline and Pastor, there's a question that came to my mind this week as I was thinking back over what you had talked about on (coughs) corporal punishment. In the scenario where you have a parent that is saved after the child is maybe four, five, six, seven years old, and they begin to get a firm grasp of what the Bible teaches on the topic of corporal punishment— 
and they want to begin implementing corporal punishment. But as they implement corporal punishment, the child hasn't been used to it and they get adverse effects. What advice do you have in that situation? Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned that the person has uh, become saved after not enforcing any kind of um, corporal punishment. What I would do in a situation like that, quite frankly, is that I would, first of all, after I got saved and I began to realize that uh, the way I've been dealing with the child has not been the right way, it's been the wrong way, I've not been really exercising corporal punishment as I should for things that are needed, I would probably sit down with the child and because if I make up my mind I have to start to do it, I would uh, sit down with the child and explain to the child what happened to me, basically. That, you know, mommy uh, is a different person, uh, mommy's thinking differently now, and, uh, and let me explain to you why mommy is thinking that way. Explain to the child how I got saved, what happened when I got saved, etc. And say to her, you know what, this means, quite frankly, that there are some changes in this house. You know, mommy loves you, would always love you. But I've been studying the Word, I've been going to a seminar or whatever, a family seminar, and it has been brought to my attention, and I've examined it in Scripture, that there is a legitimate basis for the use of uh, uh, spanking and the rod. Now, you know, Mommy's been doing all the talking before, you've been going away looking at a lot of things, but that's going to change. And uh, there are times when I'm going to have to use the rod, and I would like to explain to you why I would use the rod and what are the offenses for the use of the rod. So I would kind of give an idea what um, disrespect, um, defiance, rebellion, willful lying, stealing, uh, uh, physical violence. There are some things that I, I am not going to let you get away with anymore and we're not just going to talk about these matters, they're going to have some penalties. Uh, now that doesn't mean I, I don't love you. The reason why I have to do it is because I'm a believer. Uh, God has mandated me as a parent to exercise the use of the rod in, in certain circumstances. And uh, I just want you to know that um, it's it might cause you some pain, and it will cause you some pain. But um, I'm doing it out of concern for your future, uh, out of deep affection for you. I just can't afford for you to uh, act a certain way and you get away with it. I think, Nathan, that if a parent were to do that in the context of genuine, authentic love, uh, I think a child uh, will come to understand uh, why mom does those kind of things. It's not You're not springing on her by surprise. I think it's a useful time as well to give your own testimony, to share your own faith. And that might even provoke the child to ask questions that might lead eventually that child being saved. But there's nothing wrong in saying, I've been dealing with you in the wrong way before. Now these things have got to change. I think kids can handle those kind of situations. And if you're consistent and you explain, and after you've exercised the, the spanking and the child begins to cry or whatever, and you, you hug the child and, and, and show affection and explain to her, it's not, it's not you that I'm trying to deal and dealing with your behavior and you can't get away with it. I think in the context of love uh, and, and, and good, solid, undergirding of good discipline, I don't think there's ever going to be a severance of relation between the parent. As a matter of fact, I think when the child gets older and as you begin to understand, she will understand why mom uh, has done that. And in many ways, she'll turn around in the future and thank you for, uh, you know, changing the way she dealt with her. And I think it augurs well for the relation between the parent and the child. In last week's episode, you very clearly used Scripture to show that the Bible sanctions corporal punishment. 
So my question is, if it's biblical to use corporal punishment, why do you believe that so many modern parents are reluctant or adverse to use it? And do you think there's more things at play than we realize? Well, I think that parents have been fed an unworkable, illogical, and unreasonable uh, philosophy of child-rearing. And I think that has taken place, um, as I mentioned in another broadcast, between the 50s and the 60s. They've been fed a philosophy, which is a product of atheistic thinking, that is grounded in secular humanism, which has the wrong understanding about human nature. Uh, let me explain, uh, Nathan, that... I think parents have been sold a bill of bogus lies and falsehood. And if you give me a chance to just mention about six of these uh, quickly. Uh, One of the great falsehoods that parents have been fed is that children are born neutral. They are blank sheet. And I forgot which philosopher came up with that idea that when you're born, you're just born with a white sheet. And what happens is that your child is basically good. uh, There's no sin nature. And what really... uh, create these uh, blemishes on that white sheet, basically. It's a socioeconomic environment that determines and brings out the badness in the child. Now, when you're taught that philosophy, uh, that the child is basically born good, doesn't have a sinful nature, you can see why then that if it's the environment and the socioeconomic that creates these, this badness, you can see the reluctance of the parent now because you, you almost penalize a child for something that's not inherently in him. So parents pretty much uh, withdrew uh, applying any kind of discipline, to be honest with you, because they were saying, well, the child is not responsible. But again, that's a bogus philosophy that's grounded in an ideology, ideology that's contrary to Scripture. Makes you wonder if whoever came up with that philosophy had a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the empirical evidence, to be very honest with you, uh, suggests the very opposite of what that person is saying, because, look, People today, uh, children today, have more than they've ever had before. You talk to the elderly people. They didn't have half of what the kids have got. They've got more entertainment, more pleasure. They've got better educational opportunities. Uh, They have more leisure time on their hand than than parents used to give children chores. You couldn't go to school until you sweep the house or clean the yard or care of the animals or or do something. All of that is virtually gone. So when you think about it, and, and then they have more material goods than any other generation. So in actual fact, their environment have given them more than the previous generations before, yet they're worse than those generations. What we had back in those generations was discipline, strong, strong discipline. And moms and dads uh, knew how to really uh, discipline their children. Today, I think they've fallen for this uh, bogus theory, and this bogus philosophy has encouraged uh, a permissive parenting uh, that is grounded basically in a sense of guilt and somehow uh, that the child is not responsible for his bad behavior. The second thing I would say, uh, Nathan, that they have fallen to is uh, the belief that if you just love a child and be tolerant towards a child, eventually the child is going to respond with patience and kindness. So just love the child and just be very, very tolerant. 
the folly of this, of course, is that the uh, permissive parenting that we have experienced in the past uh, several decades has created the present crisis that we are in now with the immorality, the delinquency, the drug culture, uh, and all the negative spin-off, like violence and crime and disrespect, and uh, failing even in, in terms of academic achievement, and of course a complete hedonistic way of looking at life. Uh, so it, it it's a very buying into the idea that just by showing love and tolerance, we would create children that are uh, more patient and, and, and more kind has really been a failure. It hasn't worked. It is very obvious when you look at, compare this generation to any past generation. You see that if by applying these those two principles, it hasn't worked at all in terms of, of parenting. The third thing that they were, um, um, falsehood that they were encouraged to embrace is that they were told to express, let the child express his rebellion uh, and what that would do, it would release the inner hostility. So when he is defiant and he is throwing his tantrum, really, the best thing you can do is to just let him release it. It's like, you know, they tell you in psychology that to take out your anger on the pillow, beat the pillow, don't beat the person, beat the pillow. That same idea was carried over into into into, into raising children. Just let them ventilate. So if they're disrespectful and they say something they shouldn't say that uh, is rude, there's uh, no need to punish the child. The judge is just ventilating those inner feelings that he has. So, so rather than deal then with, with disrespect and rebellion and rudeness, uh, they were given this free ventilation. And uh, as a result of that, what really ended up happening is that you had an incredible disdain and disrespect for parents. And uh, this is where we are today. Uh, so I think that's the third mistake that was embraced by these uh, parents. The fourth one is that uh, what you need to do is when a child says something that is terrible, what you need is to verbalize it, put it in words so to clarify what he's saying. So, mommy, uh, I wish you would just disappear. Uh, now, uh, I, I wish somehow you were dead or something. Well, well, uh, son, what you really mean is that you wish you could flush money down the toilet, you know. The name of the program is That's Truth. It's a live interactive call-in program, and we have been talking for the last two and a half weeks on this program on the topic of corporal punishment and discipline. And Pastor has been explaining this evening the some of the reasons that parents are so adverse to the idea of using corporal punishment. And he was talking about the, uh, the idea that kids are said to be born neutral, that you should just be tolerant with them. These are false ideas, obviously, uh, that you should uh, reflect or recast what the child is saying and that uh, you should allow children to express their rebellion. Pastor, what is the fifth one? The fifth one basically has to do uh, to, to understand that if you have a conflict with your child, is basically based on two things. Number one is based on misunderstanding, and it's based on a difference of a viewpoint. Uh, so the real thing that you need to do here is to learn to uh, adjust to the child's viewpoint, and uh, instead of trying to shape and mold him, uh, his understanding. Uh, the, the thing here is to just understand that it's just a different uh, type of a viewpoint. 
So uh, if you're a challenge uh, in another area that you think is the challenge being ruled or th- there's something that needs to be need to be spanked, uh, just understand this is just an inevitable misunderstanding that is between two people of two different ages, basically, and that the child have a different viewpoint than you've got. So therefore, uh, it's not a matter that deserves any kind of corporal punishment. Uh, and I would like to say that, you know, when you have a a heart-to-heart talk uh, with the child. You have a heart-to-heart talk with the child and you begin to clarify these kind of things with the child. But a parent must learn to ch- to handle these challenges to his authority. And if he doesn't deal with it, the reality is that it's going to affect all his future relationship with the child. So if he, he, he maintains this kind of an attitude in dealing with the child, he's going to have horrendous problems dealing with the child in the future. And then the... Um, is six one that is uh, led parents to take on this position. Uh, it's quite like something I've said before, because they've been able to point out the harsh results of of, of consequences of um, abusive corporal punishment. They have now used that as a justification for the complete elimination of all corporal punishment altogether. Uh, and, and I think this is a big mistake that is, is being made because they see corporal punishment, Nathan, as a, a parent motivated out of frustration and a parent having hostility and he just want to uh, quite complete, completely um, vent the anger and his frustration on the child not understanding that corporal punishment is a biblical tool uh, to deal with certain types of behavior. It's not, uh, I am so exasperated with what the child has done, I'm going to take it out on the child. That's, it's for the child's benefit. It's not, to, it's not in any way to do damage to the child. It's to change the child's attitude and behavior, especially towards the parent in terms of respect. Uh, and that's why we said that there are certain uh, acts that a child would commit that uh, are worthy of um, spanking, like rudeness. Uh, we mentioned disrespect. We mentioned rebellion, acts of immorality, violence, deliberate lying or stealing. I mean, those are offenses that they need to be more than just talk. They need to be consequences that are painful to move that child out of the out of the direction which they're going. So those are just six of the um, reasons why parents have just. Uh, uh, bought into this this system, and it's unfortunate that this started to surface again, and it just need to be exposed for what it is: complete folly and uh, based on a wrong understanding of human nature. And believe you me, contrary to the biblical teaching, contrary to common sense, and contrary to all the empirical evidence that we have for the past, uh, I think we can show you quite clearly, uh, looking at those things that. Uh, it has benefits to it to use uh, spanking when it's needed. So contrary to common practice in today's world, you are advocating the judicious use of corporal punishment. Can you give some guidelines to those parents who may be listening this evening, or maybe I should say those parents who are listening this evening, as to how they should use corporal punishment and when they should use it? Yeah, we did We did uh, mention some of these before, uh, basically, and uh, it was done very hurriedly, but I'd just like to just offer very basic guidelines if you're going to employ uh, corporal punishment. One is I think the parents need to be able to set limits uh, for their children. 
they have to together sit down and decide what are the limits that will incur some form of spanking. That has to be something decided on. It cannot be um, something that happens in the moment and in your anger you just get a frustration. And I think that's what happens again and again when it comes to this whole matter of abuse of, of, of corporal punishment. Uh, because as I've pointed out uh, on another broadcast, Nathan, a child doesn't need to have a lot of licks. If it is done properly, he, he learns to fear the pain, and in many ways he complies. But if he keeps getting away and getting away and getting away with something, and and uh, what he's disciplined for in terms of corporal punishment is up topsy-turvy. There's no rhyme or reason to what is being done. He's for everything, basically. I think that if it's going to be effective... The parents have to get together and decide what are the limits. Let's set some limits for our kids and let's decide together when it's appropriate to use uh, corporal punishment. Um, so they must decide also what behavior needs to be inhibited and what needs to be curtailed. What do we want to curtail? What kind of behavior is not acceptable? And then they must also know when to do uh, the the corporal punishment. And the fourth thing is spanking must always occur in the framework of love and affection for the child's welfare. If it is out of anger, if out of frustration because of something happened at work and the child, you come home, the child does something that's not really worthy. Maybe they drop the, the, the bottle and the milk spilled on the ground, and, but you've been having a bad day. And then you open a belt and send on 11 lashes across his back or, or some other part of him. Um, that's not the way to deal with it. Corporal punishment is a special form of punishment that the parents need to agree on uh, how to use it and when to use it. Look, the reality is this, right? That children always thrive in an atmosphere of genuine love that is undergirded with discipline that is reasonable and uh, consistent uh, and reinforced. Um, and I notice the words I'm using here. Uh, reasonable means that it has limits. It means that it's not um, done out of, it's not excessive or not abusive. And consistent means it's not ad hoc, it's not emotional, but it's something that is dependable and the child is aware that if I commit this offense, this is going to be the consequence. I think those are four basic useful guidelines that any parent that is uh, have not been using the biblical way of dealing with this matter, uh, I think that this is something they can sit down and deal with and come up with appropriate measures that are worthy of um, this kind of punishment. I understand what you're saying, Pastor, but a couple of times there you said that a child learns from inflicting pain, and in order to discipline appropriately, you need to inflict pain. But wouldn't you say that discipline is a whole lot more than just inflicting pain in order to curb or discourage certain behavior? Well, I'll be, as I pointed out before, uh, again, um, in the one of the broadcasts, that um, Corporal punishment is, is not something that is regularly required of a child. Uh, it's not something to be used, you know, um, you shouldn't have to beat a child five times a day, uh, corporal punishment, etc., etc. I think if it is done properly, I would suggest you if it's done properly, the child will fear corporal punishment. I think I mentioned before, uh, Nathan, that um, my son's daughter 
just turned uh, just over two years, I guess she is. But even before she was two years old, all you need to tell her to get her to do something if she throw the toys on the floor or uh, two years, or she is acting up, all you have to say to you, should I go for the belt? That's all you need to say to her. Her behavior changes the moment she hears the word belt because she has been given a little lash that stung, right? And she hasn't forgotten that, basically. And, and that is, and remember, she's only two years old. I'm going to suggest to you that um, if that follows up for the next, until about two to four, and she has, has that fear of the rod, I'm suggesting that you're not going to have to use the rod after four or five years. You have to use it periodically, but she is not going to push you to the point where you're going to have to use it because she has learned very, very early that, you know, the belt really means infection or pain. Um, so I am just saying that if you start early, the problem is pretty much solved. Like this little girl that we saw on the video, I cannot imagine that she was ever disciplined properly for anything, basically. And that, the other thing, Nathan, that I, I, you notice that the mother is using the hand, yeah. okay? It, you don't use your hand on a child. Now, when I say a, child, a baby, you might just spank the little on the hand, but to actually use a hand to slap the child in the buttocks or slap the child in the back like this month or push her down, I mean, that is totally abuse that is not that's not discipline at all that is acting out of anger and i thought in the in, in the video by the way that it was a contest because there was another person watching quite frankly who's going to win this contest and uh because she grabbed the little girl the girl little girl dropped, grabbed her i don't think she knew what to do after that i think she was shocked that by grabbing the little girl the little girl grabbed her shirt as well and then when she hit the little girl the girl hit back again i don't think she was uh she was really prepared for that yeah. so the only thing she could do was do what an adult would do uh, be more violent uh, uh i'm much stronger than you are but then when she pushed her down and slapped her down and she turned her back, she wasn't prepared for the child to hit her in the back either. And then she found herself in another, what do I do now, quite frankly? And I'm not even sure she knew the person was videotaping it or they had a, whatever it is. But um, I think those are some of the complications of, um, of that matter. Time across the Eastern Caribbean is 8.04 on this Tuesday evening. You're listening to a live interactive call-in program called That's Truth. If you have a question, maybe it's something that you have wondered for years, maybe even decades. Maybe it's something about the Bible. Why does the Bible say this? Or why doesn't the Bible say this? Or maybe it's just a sincere question of does the Bible talk about this topic? We here at the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse and on this program with Pastor Murphy are convinced that the Bible has all of the answers needed for your life's questions. We would love for you to call and be put live on the air. And the number to call is 268-462-7420. This is a safe place for you to call. We're not here to belittle you or argue with you. We will hear you out and then answer your question from a biblical worldview. If you don't want to call and be put live on the air, not a problem at all. We would love for you to send in your question via WhatsApp or text message to see, excuse me, WhatsApp or text message to the following number, 268-782-1454. I'll give that to you again as you get WhatsApp opened up. 
268-782-1454. For those of you who have already interacted with us tonight on tonight's episode, we appreciate your questions and your thoughts, and we look forward to further interaction. We are talking about the topic of discipline and corporal punishment. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to get back to yeah. the the question you asked because you asked a question um, that related to something I said before. So I want to get back to this question about um, that discipline is more than the use of corporal punishment. Uh, yeah, I think it's much broader and much deeper than that. I think children, for example, need to be taught um, self discipline and how to have uh, have responsible behavior. So it's more than just um, using the rod to inflict pain. It is using uh, the rod in addition to other means to um, create in the child um, the, the kind of self-discipline, responsible behavior that doesn't require uh, any kind of affliction of pain. They need to learn self-control as part of the disciplinary, um, imposing discipline on them, and they need to be equipped uh, with the kind of personal strength that will meet the demands of school, uh, the pressure of their peers, and of course uh, later in society as they are able to leave the home and find themselves in an environment that's quite different than, than one that's normal. And they need assistance in learning how to face the challenges and the obligation of life at some point in the future. All of this is part of the training and the discipline of the child. It's, it's more than just uh, inflicting. We can't look, we can't just depend on hope and depend on luck to fashion the critical attitudes that we need in our children. Uh, we've got to shape, um, use this to shape those values that we think are important and those attitudes that are important. Especially today, we're faced with the widespread use of drugs, the immorality, the pornography, and the, and the, and the gang culture. The parent now has such a, a much more graver responsibility in, in shaping these values and these attitudes in the child. I, I want to quote what... Um, Dr. Dobson says, and uh, he, he says it quite bluntly, and I want to just quote what he said. In one of his books, he says, he, 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 speaks, he speaks very provocatively, and he puts it this way. He said, it's the parents' responsibility to get off their corpulent behinds and take steps to eliminate the problems that threaten their children. Uh, I mean, that is well said without being vulgar, but he's really saying get off your buttocks and start really doing your part as a parent, understanding the critical role that you play in shaping the values and the attitudes that you want to see in your child. It's not just going to happen by luck or chance. And certainly uh, leaving it to the uh, the school and leaving it to the church still does not fulfill the, the function as it should because you, are, as a parent, are the mere shaper in the life of your child. And uh, I think it's important that you understand your full responsibility in that regard. Pastor, I'm confident that we would both agree that discipline is a very critical, vital part of parenting. But would you attribute poor parenting and failure of poor parenting to the social mess that we're in today? Well, I've pretty much implied that because parents have failed to exercise proper discipline on the children and proper training, uh, I've pretty much implied that the results of that in society is what we are currently reaping. So I don't dispute that. I don't want to state it more explicitly that I believe it's the adult that's responsible for creating the environment that we face today. Uh, if we have not produced a, a generation 
that is better than the generation that we were in, we have failed in our duty and our responsibility. Wow. Uh? You say that again. I think we need to hear that again. No, but I think that is that is true. We failed yeah. in our responsibility. And I want to say this. We, no, nature is rather careless with whom it allows to be a parent. In other words, uh, the qualifications that nature I- I expects of you is not very high to be a parent. Quite right? frankly, as long as you've got uh, genitals, basically, you can be a child. As long as you've got a womb, you, uh, you can have a child, etc., etc. So the fact is that it's not necessary to know a single fact about how to train a child to produce a child. And that, uh, whether... F- fortunately or unfortunately is the reality so you have a lot of people very common situation where you've got both young men and young women uh, who have found themselves suddenly with an unwanted responsibility of having to care for impressionable helpless infants about whom they know absolutely nothing how to discipline and that is compounded by the way that very often they themselves have never been the recipients of good discipline from their parents. Now they have become parents themselves, and they are in the same dilemma they were in before, perhaps even worse, uh, etc. So I don't want to oversimplify the complicated matter of how we got into the mess that we're in, but in many ways it it began very early in, in childhood that parents failed uh, to deal with children. Children are exceedingly vulnerable to the teaching of parents, and if parents were to uh, do it properly at a very, very early age, it helps to shape the child for the future. But it's failure to shape the child early in life that produces the delinquents as teenagers. Uh, Mistakes early in childhood training will be costly uh, as a child moves into uh, teenage uh, life and also later into adult life. And don't forget, Nathan, there's a critical period in a child's life uh, that if you do not teach that child proper uh, attitudes and behavior, uh, perhaps the concepts that you want to instill uh, will be lost forever. And that critical stage, by the way, is between three to five. So if the child does not get the right training between three to five, uh, believe you me, it, it becomes very much more difficult after that age to try to start to bend and to break the child. So we have a window of opportunity that if it is lost and missed, uh, what we might call the primal period of receptivity of a child, usually uh, that once that vanishes, uh, we have tremendous difficulty in trying now to uh, bring the child back in line. And hence, uh, it's desirable if there are desirable qualities that we want to create in the child, it's important that we start teaching them between age three and five. I'm talking about such qualities, Nathan, as kindness. I think we all want our children to be kind. A, a sense of appreciation for things uh, that can be taught very early. Uh, honesty uh, is something you can teach very well. The child puts his hand in a cookie jar or stealing something very, very early. He can't get away with that. You can teach that very early between three and five. Truthfulness. That when mommy asks something, did you do this? Uh, you know, try to get the child to be able to speak the truth without having to cover it up very, very early. Um, unselfishness. Uh, when a child is two or three, they're very, very selfish. Their toys are their toys. You've got to understand that. But as he moved into four and five, he should now be learning how to share the toy and, and have others around. Obedience is another good quality that we want. Uh, respect and uh, a child that is nonviolent. These are things that must be taught. Hereditary does not equip a child with these proper attitudes. 
is the training that the parent does at those tender that tender period that window of opportunity three to five if that is missed uh, you have a terrible time dealing with a child. That's why the way when it comes to adoption, people ask me, adoption, should I adopt a child? The earlier you can adopt a child, the better it is. When you adopt a child after seven or eight, you've got massive problems on your hand. Because so much is not Because so already. much. And remember that critical period, three to five. See, that's the critical period. So if you're going to adopt a child, make sure it's between that period. Don't let it go beyond that. I'm not saying it can't work out. Right. But you are going to inherit tremendous problems if you adopt a child after or after five, uh, and uh, because that window of opportunity to really instill these values uh, need to be seized, and parents are failing in that regard. I, I, you know, I see sometimes, I don't know if you ever watched it, uh, sometimes you go into a supermarket and you see misbehavior, and uh, that's the time to curb that kind of behavior, but often the, the child wants something he sees at the desk, uh, the checkout desk, and eventually the mother ends up giving in to keeping quiet, or he screams and he shouts, and uh, she's so embarrassed she doesn't know what to do, so she ends up yielding. Now, what she's done is to reinforce that behavior, because if the child is there and she's screaming and she knows she can get a chocolate, next time you think what's going to happen? I'm scream louder. Every time. <laughs> so by the time she turns seven or eight, she's already addicted to chocolate. Yeah. But her way of getting to that, mommy, take me to, to the supermarket with me, and that's the way. Uh, and by the way, that's why the supermarket uh, management always put these goodies by the checkout desk because they know that when you pass either you're going to see it or the child is going to see it and the demand the eyes appeal to the eyes of marketing strategy so you've got to be very very careful in that regard pastor i'm looking at an article from 2018 a couple of sentences i want to read and then get your thoughts Research over the last 20 years has demonstrated that spanking increases aggression in young children and is not effective in changing their undesirable behavior. I think that is bogus, and I would keep saying that it's bogus. It cannot be that God tells us and mandates for us to use the rod when we're dealing with our children, and any kind of research that is truly scientific contradicts the Scripture. I think a lot of these uh, uh, people basically are experiments that are not done on children. You can't do experiments on children. They're experiments that are done on animals, and they transpose the data from dealing with animals to children as though they actually put children in cages and did this. You can't. It's, it's immoral for you to do that kind of behavior. So a lot of the research that is done is research that is done on animals and then transpose onto children as because remember please remember this most of these psychologists just think the humans are an animal just a higher animal so there's no real difference between the anim the the the, the how the rat will respond uh, and how the human will respond basically they're all animals together they don't they don't, don't believe in a soul they don't believe in a spirit they just mean believe that man is material so when you hear about the research uh, and so on and so forth I accept that with a, 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 a bit of salt, to be very honest with you. I don't, don't believe it. I don't accept it. Any so-called research that is contrary to Scripture is false. God is wiser than any man, and all men put together. And if God says that we have a right to use the rod to drive foolish away from the child and to save the child from hell... God is far wiser, and as the Bible said, let God be true and every man a liar. So I don't buy into all this talk about research and research and research. Uh, I just don't accept it. it, it it's, in my judgment, either God's word is correct or, or man's opinion is superior, and I, I can't submit to human opinion. Uh, I'm a believer in God's word. It's infallible. It's sufficient. 
And uh, I believe that God is much wiser than all men put together. And just to clarify, when God's Word says to use the rod, it's talking about a physical uh, device, not just shepherding and not just leading. Well, we pointed out in the previous broadcast that uh, when you take the Word and the context in which the Word is used, it's very, very clear that in every context it's used there in the book of Proverbs when it comes to the discipline of children, it has to do with using a, 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 a neutral uh, um, instrument. Uh, in the case of the Bible, it was a rod. I, I recommend uh, today to be very honest, and I was beaten with a rod, even in school, when I was in secondary school, and if you didn't get a certain amount of marks, we were whipped with the bamboo, and we didn't get it across of back, we got it across of buttocks, right? Uh, and I never felt that the teacher was wrong, I never felt angry at uh, that I was being mistreated, I always felt I was stupid, I didn't study hard enough, and as I told you many times on this radio broadcast, if I didn't have corporal punishment in school, I would have been a dummy. I only learned because I was forced to learn. And I don't know of many kids. It's an unusual child that loves to read and to study and to do maths and, and chemistry and geography and so on. I don't know of anybody who naturally uh, does that. And sometimes the, the rod was the only thing that got me to learn. And I thank God that uh, it happened because I'd be a real dummy today if that didn't happen. So uh, it is actually a physical uh, instrument, whether it be the strap in some cases, the cuckoo stick, whether it be a paddle, uh, I think that that is the right and proper way to, to, to uh, the Bible is mentioning there. What about this sentence written from a secular perspective? Studies have also linked spanking to an increased risk of mental health disorders and impaired brain development. Do you feel you suffer from that? It makes me laugh. It's also comical. As I said to you, uh, uh, Nathan, common sense will tell you that's stupid. Talk to the any generation, take to my generation or even the generation before me that's still alive. Do you see any insanity? Do you think we are less uh, normal than, than, the, than this? I think this is the most uh, stupid generation that we've ever had. And when I don't mean stupid in the sense that they don't have brain, I mean that remember that education is not common sense. Never forget that. It's not wisdom either, okay? Yeah. It's knowledge. And I think that when you look at this generation, if you had a more rebellious generation, more disrespectful generation, uh, and how in the way you can make those kind of s statements that they're, you know, they've called mental damage and emotional damage, that is complete bunk. It's, it's, it's just uh, pure stupidity that's distilled, to be very honest with you. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, 1160 AM, 92.3 FM, and online at www.radiolighthouse.org. Could I say something else, Nathan? Look, I think Christians need to wake up and get back to Scripture and have such confidence in God's Word that we can make bold statements without feeling intimidated or feeling being belittled. This is God's Word. I mean, how much more wisdom can you have than the God of the universe who is infinite in wisdom, who made man himself, who knows what will work and what will be effective? If he tells us this is going to work, what man is there on planet Earth that should change our view on what God has said? 
it boils down to the fact that in many ways we do not really believe in the infallibility and the inspiration of God's Word. I think that's at the root of our problem. We don't have this strong belief that this is God's Word. And therefore, when we hear these experts with PhDs and and all these different titles come up with all this stupid experiments that they talk about, we can see very clearly that that, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But if you have pure respect and you believe in the infallibility of academic achievement and academic learning, then you're intimidated to falling in line with these supposed uh, conclusions that, in my mind, are just bogus. Pastor, is it possible, do you think, that some of these studies that talk about the harmful effects of spanking are actually crossing a line and they're merging appropriate corporal punishment and abuse into one uh, form of punishment and they are then mispainting corporal appropriate corporal punishment under the name of abuse yeah I think that that happens and I but I feel that in many ways uh, parents have helped to create this this uh, misunderstanding about uh, and the abuse of corporal punishment uh, and I think that once a psychologist has begun to get clout and he's become popular and he's come up with a theory that he, he somehow has concocted and believed in, then he tries to interpret all the other data to fall in line with his his uh, his findings. And I think that is what has happened in, in ca- case of corporal. They have looked at the worst cases that have really scarred children. Uh, because there are parents that have been very, very abusive. There's no question about that. Nobody can disbelieve that. But finding those uh, aberrant cases, those unusual cases, they now try to normalize them so that all forms of corporal punishment is deemed to be uh, inhumane, uh, unloving, uncaring, and uh, could create uh, scars that would last uh, for life. So I think it's the the um, clouding of these two things and merging of these two things, quite frankly, that helps to give them some clout. And then if you have uh, people in government or people in, in, in places where they're in charge of institutions, if they themselves are inclined towards secular thinking, if they themselves have been taught in these schools, uh, if, you know, they also now begin to parrot off the same thing without actually reflecting. And if they're not biblicists, and what I mean by that, they're not people that have a very hard, uh, firm regard for the Bible. They just go to church, they just hear what the priest says or what the pastor says, but they're not students of the Word. They're not people of prayer and intercession. They're just having cultural, formal religion, quite frankly. There's nothing really meaning to it other than going to church. They don't take the Bible very seriously. These people then fall in line without even thinking the consequences, how it undermines the, the authority of Scripture, because it contradicts the very principles that the Bible uh, enunciates. Here's a reason that is given for why you shouldn't spank. Many parents could sense that something is not right about hurting the child for his own good and feel guilty afterwards. How would you respond to that? Pastor? Read that again. I didn't. I didn't uh, Many parents uh, sense that something is not right about hurting a child for his own good, the child's own good, uh-huh. and feel guilty afterwards. Well, I would say to you that that is that is uh, um, directing parenthood based on feelings. Okay. You know, you just can't let your feelings and your emotions guide your parenting. There is something called revelation. It's called the Word of God. 
Uh, every uh, God gives us certain principles to deal with certain aspects of our lives. And our feelings are even depraved. Our minds are depraved. Our wills are depraved. So we cannot be guided by the sensitivity of our feelings as to what we think is going to be hurtful to the child. If God says that uh, the rod will drive foolish away from the child, the rod will drive foolish away from the child. If God said that this is my child while there's hope, you must do it within that window of opportunity that you can change the child's life. You can't let my feelings. I have never uh, taken pleasure in, in, in giving corporate punishment to anybody, whether it be my children or when I was uh, in the principal school for, for one year. Never have I ever taken great delight. It pains you to do it. I, I don't have, I can't stand tears, quite frankly, and especially when it's a, a male uh, is crying. It, it really tugs my heart because, you know, I just think that we should be tough in, in that regard. So I, it's not a matter of taking delight or that, it, you know, you feel good doing it. You always feel bad when you, when you do it. But again, it's a matter of obedience. It's a matter of following a higher wisdom than I have in myself. It's a matter of believing that God's word is true. It's a matter that God, uh, God gave the blueprint uh, for the home and for these matters, not exhaustively, but laying out the basic principles that would help you as a parent. So um, you can't, you can't um, do parenting by feelings. Uh, when God has spoke about a matter and God speaks about a matter, uh, his authority is higher than ours. Pastor, here's a WhatsApp comment from Antigua. Good night. One of the problems that we struggle with as a society is where the parents themselves lack discipline, and sometimes the children and even the grandchildren adopt the same indiscipline. Very often, this indiscipline is manifested in speech, behavior, and ways of thinking. We must try to break these generational plagues. What are your thoughts? No, I think he's right about that. By the way, it's not just Antigua. Uh, it is all over the Caribbean, and it has now gone even beyond the Caribbean, to be very honest with you. Uh, the reality is that the uh, parents today have never been properly trained, never been thought, properly taught how to deal with children, how to, to, how to discipline children. Um, so I agree with that. I think the, we've got to, ch- if we're going to change society, we've got to target this new generation, and we've got to invest the time and the effort to start doing the kind of training that's needed so that the next generation is different than this generation. It requires a lot of effort and work on our part. But I, I, I think the sentiment expressed there is quite legitimate, and I just don't think it's limited to Antigua. I think it's something global, and I think that we as Christians have got to make up in our mind that we're willing to invest or time and our effort to try to change the, what is happening so that we can chart the course afresh and anew for the next generation. And that will not happen unless people are willing to invest their time and their effort to help uh, these people. Um, you know, I, I, while on that topic, Nathan, um, we have a gentleman in our church, I'm not going to call his name because he doesn't like to be, you know, he don't want to be recognized. He does it out of love and affection and, and concern. But, you know, I had a situation where a lady um, was brought to my attention. She was having some problems with a child. Uh, the child wasn't doing well at school. Um, discovered that uh, he's almost a, st- a very late standard. Uh, he's When he should be in class, he's out in the class. Pretty much the school has... 
um, accepted the fact that the child is a failure. Uh, but again, he's at still school age, and you have to go to school, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he, he's, you know, he's just no reason. Why. And I explained that to the brother when I when when the uh, mom came to me and we were chatting. I found out what grade he was in. I started questioning, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I found out that the child couldn't read, but yet the child was, I think, grade four, grade five, going to grade six, somewhere around that line. And from the time she told me that. I saw his problem. Why would I want to be in school? I can't read, but I've gone from grade one right through to grade four. I'm going to go in grade five. I can't read. So so he's creating hell in school. He's, he, he's not cooperative. He's trying to be difficult, whatever it is. And I told her, quite frankly, the child will always give problems in school until the child learns to read. Somebody has to teach him to read. But who's going to do that now? And the gentleman in our in our church, and I, I said to him, you know, listen, I've got a child here that he really needs help. Uh, he can't read in, in this thing. And I was so thrilled that he decided, you know what, I, I want to help this guy. I want to help this child. So he's using his time on evenings uh, to invest in this child's life at no cost, voluntarily taking on that responsibility because he can see that we're going to have a delinquent in the future. If something is not done, that's the kind of investment I'm talking about. Not just uh, we recognize the problem, et cetera, et cetera, but are we willing to make the sacrifice, the personal sacrifice, to get involved in the young lives of these kids, to try to help them over that hurdle that they're currently faced with? And that's what I'm talking about, that uh, we need to get involved to change this generation. Pastor, what would you say are some of the mistaken beliefs about successful parenting that many have embraced today? Well, there, there are two, and I, I kind of uh, one is quite frankly that raising children in an atmosphere of permissive love and affection is uh, is what is needed. Uh, in other words, you, 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 the atmosphere would be one. You want to show love and affection, but it's the idea of not tough love. It's a kind of a permissive love. And the other one, I think, the other mistake I think we make is, is is that children think that parents think that the key to uh, dealing with our kids is to satisfying their material and physical needs. That seems to be the priority, uh, and and uh, I think that's a totally big, big mistakes that are being made by parents. Uh, and I would like to say that you know. Love in the absence of godly instruction and biblical discipline will not produce a child that has any kind of self-control or respect for other people. And the, some of the greatest social disasters in, in, in our modern time is because we have accepted the belief that abundant life will make uh, a child somehow... Um, that's what we need to do. Just, just show love. Just show love. Just show love, and and that there has to be something more than just showing love. But love is such a big thing today. Uh, you know, Dobson wrote a book again called Tough Love. So yes, we must have love, but it must not be the permissive type of love that the child is allowed to do anything he wants to. We don't exercise any kind of a corporal punishment because if we do so, we are unloving to him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that's one of the gravest mistakes that uh, it's made. And then the other one, of course, is uh, just concerned to satisfy what you call the material and physical needs of the child. Now it's commendable that parents would want to meet their physical and uh, material needs. But uh, the problem is that all this does is create a materialistic child and a hedonistic child. 
so it doesn't uh, cater to the other needs that the child had, like moral issues and spiritual issues. Uh, and I think that is uh, the mistake that is being made. Uh, permissive love, Nathan, and the matter of making the priority of physical and material needs the priority as opposed to the moral and spiritual needs of a child, I think that is where uh, parents are, are going really wrong in this matter. So let's flip to the other side of that coin. You discussed the two primary mistakes. What are some principles that you would give to the listening audience for successful parenting? Well, uh, I think there are some common sense and some biblical principles that um, would help a parent. Um, and I want to just mention five of these, uh, very five or six of these very hurriedly. Um, first of all, one of the paramount principles, if you're going to uh, be a successful parent and effective in, in really helping the child, is that you have to focus on developing respect for yourself. This is a critical factor when it comes to the management and control of a child. I can't emphasize how important it is that you focus on developing uh, respect. Uh, This uh, um, provides the basis for the child's attitude towards other people in the future. And if you want a child to respect you when he's a teenager, you better get that respect now while he's young because if he doesn't have respect for you when he's, uh, when he's this young you can bet on it that he's not going to have any respect for you as he get older and if he doesn't have any respect for you he's not going to have respect for the teacher no respect for the police no respect for the government and no respect for even law and order and when they get into a workplace God help him can't hold a job quite frankly, because he wants to fight with the boss. He doesn't know how to show respect. So it's important as a parent that you try to instill in him uh, that sense. I think this is the most important social interaction uh, for a parent to develop with a child at a very early age, this concept uh, of uh, respect. Would you say that that will affect their marriage in the future? It could. It could, because, again, if you... This is an interesting one that you would make. You, I normally tell people when they're dating, uh, Nathan, you probably heard me say this when we did a program, that you go home and see how that person responds to their parent. If your girlfriend that you are dating, that you're going to marry to, doesn't have any respect for her mom and her dad, mark it down. I can tell you without... I would bet you a million dollars that she's not going to have respect for you as a husband. Hmm. Respect is something that is learnt and is something that is developed early in a child. And you that, that, that is so vitally important. And parents seem to be more want to be friends than to get respect. You see? And it's as though that they need the affirmation of the love from the child rather than the respect for the child. But respect is very, very crucial. And if you make flaws or not, uh, in this area, it's going to affect uh, other relationships uh, in the future. So you have to have this um, respect, and the child must develop this kind of respect. <coughs> if you want your child to accept your values later in life, uh, he will not accept your values unless you have proven yourself worthy of respect during those early years. And a child who can successfully defy a parent during its early years will develop a natural contempt for that parent as they get older because the child knows very well that respect is due to a parent and if he can get away with it uh, 
all he has is contempt for a weak parent who doesn't have enough willpower and courage to enforce that respect. So it breaks down uh, uh, for the child. So. You mentioned that there are six principles you'd like to share. So the first one is respect. What would you say the second one is? Uh, I, I just want to go a little bit further, uh, Nathan, in yeah. this one of respect, uh, because I think this is very, very crucial. I think sometimes you have to decide when, when you're dealing with a child uh, in this matter of uh, respect, um, you have to establish who's in charge, okay? Uh, you also have to respect of who is going to win a battle when you see there's an element of disrespect coming or a challenge to your authority. And you have to be able to show to that child who has the most courage uh, when it comes to these kind of battles. Uh, the time to tell a child go to his room or let's have a discussion of disobedience or even uh, appease him by making some kind of concessions is not when he has crossed that fine line and nose to nose challenging your authority. If you don't win that battle, I'm suggesting to you that you've lost your ability uh, of uh, controlling him and all he's going to have for you in the future is contempt. So all I'm saying to you, there are times when you have to win the battle and if you don't win it, your parenting is over. And, uh, you know, parents think that, you know, the, ch the child, now the child turns uh, 18. Uh, I can't control. No, no, no. Long before 18, the child lost respect for you. It's just that at 18, now he's much more bold and he can leave the house, etc., etc. So that's why these kind of battles of, of our respect are so vitally uh, important. I want to quote uh, another quotation from Dobson, Nathan. And he makes an interesting remark when it comes to this area. He, he says it in these words. He says, it's the ultimate paradox of childhood that a youngster wants to be controlled, but he insists that his parents earned the right to control him. <laughs> I, I think that was yeah. a marvelous way of putting it. And I think when you and I look back on our lives, if we had good parents, we really wanted love, but we also know that we wanted boundaries, basically. We felt safe within boundaries, right? But again, uh, I was not in a position where I could show content for my parent. And I thank God that when my dad, uh, and he, my dad whipped me in my lifetime, maybe about twice. But he took an hour to give me six lashes. Because every lash he gave me, he then talked to me. That was the most, that was more painful hearing him telling me what I had done, why he's licking me. It, it was trauma. It was more traumatic than getting the six lashes. I, I would rather get the six lashes be over than to be given a lecture. And I have, you know, I've broken his heart, I've violated what he's done, etc., etc. So I think that uh, this matter is crucial. And I think parents need to uh, not become victims of emotional blackmail. And kids, emotionally blackmail parents time and time again they know that when uh, it is due to get whatever punishment they scream they ball they, 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 they slam the door they, uh, and what the parent does then is what maybe they don't want the neighbor know that you know something is happening so they appease the child yeah, give it's called emotional blackmail and once the child guess that happened two or three times he knows 
the way to get out of licks or, or punishment is what? Do the same thing because it's being reinforced. So I think that is very, very crucial that you develop that that uh, that, ma- ma- that method of uh, that matter of uh, self-respect. The other thing, the other vital principle, Nathan, is this uh, when it comes to uh, discipline and ch- child wearing, is that the best opportunity uh, to communicate with your child is after punishment. I repeat, the best opportunity to create with your child is um, occurs after punishment. Nothing brings a child and a parent closer together than when a mom and dad or dad has won a battle decisively when they were defiantly challenged, challenging the parent. Uh, and the parent, uh, by demonstrating his authority, builds respect uh, by no other process uh, uh, than, than this one. So don't shrink back from confronting a child when you have to deal with this matter. Anticipate that you're going to have uh, these problems, but see it as opportunities uh, to say something that cannot be said otherwise. I am in charge, uh, and I can't let you get away with what you're doing. I am your parent. I love you too much for you to disrespect me, uh, etc. So after the punishment, um, it allows uh, a moment of conversation, and, and I would suggest to you that this is the time that you express your love for the child. This is the time that you tell the child how important he is to you, and because he's important to you, um, this is explain to him this is why I'm punishing you. It's because you are too important, and I don't want you to go in the wrong direction in life. Uh, because of my my value so much, I just can't let you get away. And then tell him in this uh, conversation how he can avoid similar episodes. Right. So you 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 you, you love him. You show warmth. You show affection. And um, you just let him know that, quite frankly, that you, you can't get away with it. But it's a time to talk. And um, think of what that means. You know, you just exercise punishment. Then you send him for three hours in the bed, uh, the bedroom, lock the door. I don't want to see you in the next three hours. That's not the way to do with it. It's time to really talk now. Uh, it's to talk with him and, and reaffirm your, your affection and love for him. So understand that it's a time for great communication. Pastor, we have a WhatsApp question that's come in from Antigua. Good night. I once heard a parent tell a teacher that she doesn't know if her child did his homework because she has to work. What is your advice to parents who have to try and balance parenting and earning an income? That's a tough one. And here's the the reason why it's so tough. In, In most homes, you have single parents. And in most places that I know, and um, I can only speak in regard to our school, a lot of time it's the mom who assumes the responsibility of making sure the child does homework. Some of the problems, by the way, is not just that the, the mom is, is, is at work, but quite frankly, some of the parents can't handle the level of homework even in the primary school. They don't understand the new maths. They themselves uh, probably have never gone through a systematic way that, that is being done currently today at the educational level. Uh, so sometimes there's an educational deficiency with the parent. Um, I don't know if there's an easy answer to this one. Uh, I, what I would say to any parent that is listening, to my mind, the success about education is not the school. I repeat, it's not the school. The school is uh, a facilitator in this matter. But to my home, the key to education is the home. I think any parent in Antigua 
that ensures the child does his homework consistently and uh, helps him with his homework, I can guarantee almost without fail that that child is on the way to success. It doesn't matter what school he goes to. If he doesn't have the support of the the parent at home who helps him with his homework, he can go to the best school in Antigua. He's not necessarily going to be a success because he goes to some school that is academically um, known for its academics. The home is fundamental to the success of the child when it comes to education. I would say to the, the, uh, the... the, the parent in that situation I don't know the situation if there's a uh, she's a single parent or it's a man who is a single parent I will try to at least get the other parent involved at least in this matter of the child's education I would request a meeting if I have the other person and say listen this is our child we're talking about we may not be together or whatever it is but this is our child I can't do what I need to do to help this child because let me give you my hours I'm working two, two, two jobs. I'm paying the school fee. I'm doing this. I want you to try to play your role. If you can't play your role as a parent, would you consider uh, f- getting somebody who can assist this child uh, maybe on evenings? But we can't let our child suffer academically by because I am so busy and I have to work. I, I just don't have a choice. I think any reasonable parent that has interest in their child, and that was a scenario, and it can be proven that's a scenario, that I'm just too exhausted, just too tired, I, I, I find it hard that they would not want to try to help in some way, either they themselves or maybe uh, pay for somebody who can assist the child on a regular basis with homework. That would be my counsel at this point in time. Back to, thank you to the individual who sent in that question. Uh, In the last 14 minutes of tonight's episode here, uh, you shared two principles for uh, successful parenting. What would you say are the other principles? The third one I would suggest that need to be aware of is is to try to control the child without nagging uh, the child and um, frustrating the child. The Bible talks about discouraging the child. I'm talking about yelling at the child, screaming at the child, uh, dealing with the child in anger when you want the child to change behavior, etc. Threatening the child, etc., etc. Maybe even constantly reciting uh, the past and you know, uh, and all sometimes you do is just talk, 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 nagging, nagging, nagging. I don't have, I can't speak for others but there's nothing that annoys me more than just hear talk 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 the same thing over and over and over again now I am an adult and even at my age I can't handle that kind of thing I think that we need to understand that just uh, verbalizing reprimands is not going to solve the problem as a means of control you've got two other options basically if you're not going to nag him and, and scream at him and shout him in, and uh, a, you've got either to try to use pain or rewards to try to change his behavior and his action. Uh, but never reward uh, misbehavior. And I would, I would suggest to you to really seriously consider as a parent uh, whether you're going to use the rod in a case where there is need to be rod, rod, and keep nagging, 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 same problem again, or think of a way of coming up with a system of rewards that would encourage him uh, to fall in line and be more cooperative uh, uh, in that regard. So, <coughs> by the way, when it comes to older children, 
because I don't recommend the, the extensive use of the rod in that regard after you've passed like 13, uh, 13 etc., etc., you must come up with a successful technique, and the best successful technique with dealing with, with that age group is to try to manipulate or deprive him of something that is really, really important to him. That might be even more effective than uh, using uh, the rod um, because of his, the, the, the fact that he's come to a certain age. That's number three. What about number four? Um, number four would be do not saturate the child with excessive materialism. That's, a, that's another important vital principle, I think, that... Uh, I think that a lot of sometimes parents today, especially those who are fairly affluent and uh, you've got the parents, both parents working, we can inundate the child with excesses of material things that could be detrimental to his sense of value in the future. Um, children with too many things have a diminishing sense of appreciation and they develop a sense of entitlement. And I think you have to be very, very cautious. Now, one of the problems that we have in the Caribbean is that because many of us were brought up in uh, deprivation, uh, we, we can remember that, and we have pretty much resolved in our heart that our child will, will have the best in life, basically. And we don't understand that we have become the kind of moral and spiritual people we are because we, we knew what it was to want. We knew what it was to go through hardship. That has created character and developed character in ourselves. In our attempt to make it easier on our children, we have made them really very, very... Um, um, they're not as tough as we are. They're not as moral as we are uh, because they've had too much of a soft life. They've been given too much too soon for too long, and consequently they don't even learn the concept of uh, appreciation. Someone has said uh, uh, that you, when you really want, what really brings pleasure is when there's an intense need. But if you have all these things, you never have an intense need, therefore you can never really enjoy what you've got. So in actual fact, your, 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 your sense of pleasure diminishes. And, and by having too many things in itself, that is what you do. Uh, so I would say to parents, quite frankly, uh, be very, very cautious in, in this whole matter and don't in any way um, make the child's life one of excessive uh, materialism. You said there were six total. What would be number five? The other one would be avoid the extreme of, of uh, too extreme love or too extreme control. In other words, you, you want uh, you want to have a, a balance there. Um, if you have too much extreme control of a child, uh, it has some real consequences for you in the future. Uh, number one is it, it, it leads to a, a, um, a child feeling a sense of humiliation that there's so much total domination that he cannot be himself. Uh, that is a fear. The other thing is that if he's brought up in this icy, rigid environment where he doesn't seem to have any freedom and everything he does uh, must be done perfectly uh, because of this excessive control, uh, is because, and then this constant fear that he lives that he can't come up to this standard, etc., uh, etc., et uh, he's always fearing a punishment of some kind. Uh, so his personality is squelched, and he lives beyond the iron boot of parental tyranny. And this is what results uh, in his personality. He becomes a person who becomes totally dependent on his parent. 
He's never learned to be his own person, to develop his own personality, uh, and he becomes a very dependent individual. If he doesn't become independent, the other extreme, he becomes very hostile towards experience now because he begins to realize that, how come my personality is so warped? I can't seem to make a decision. Like, Mom, can I, can I buy a popsicle? Uh, everything, basically. Dad, can I, you know? Other people that make independent decisions, but he says he must ask his parents about everything. And uh, sooner or later, when he sees the contrast, uh, he, he can react with hostility. And then the other thing is, if you have too much control, he develops very poor social skills. Uh, and a lot of times, parents who have this staunch control don't even allow their children to mix with their neighbors. So they don't even know what it is to have a friend, basically, and what, what another girl is like, what another boy is like, because we've, we've fenced in our home, and you must stay in here, and uh, we're going to control your life. So there's no person coming over. You're not going to any place. So they never develop social skills. So they get older now. And they come to the stage of maybe romance and dating, they just don't know how to react, quite frankly. And it's such a strange situation when they're among people that nobody gravitates towards them as about people avoid them. Why? Because there has been too much control and never learned how to socialize. That is a problem that will prove very hurtful in the future in terms of finding a partner and a mate. And then, of course, what psychological call neuroses they become very very emotional uh, children uh, because they've depended so much on the parent now they'd have nothing in themselves to, to make song judgment and they become people who are moody and uh, exploit the the emotional feelings to get other people to do themselves the other thing they think is that they become very possessive when they do find a friend is like they don't want anybody else, not, not for a friend, they don't want anybody else to be your friend, no, you're my friend. <laughs> so, and, and, they, and they can't keep a friend because the friend wants to be a friend, but at the same time, I don't want you to possess me. Yeah. I want to meet other friends. But that all comes from this excessive control that parents sometimes, and uh, I think you all know that when this happens, depending on who be, does the controlling, if it's a daddy, becomes a she becomes a daddy's girl, or if it becomes a mom, it's a mommy's boy, and uh, so that that interferes even in the marriage if they ever get married. Now they've been so controlled; they've never learned to make independent decisions. Every problem they have in home, yes, you, look, mom, your dad. mom, what do I do? See, so that is why you have to avoid uh, extreme love, but also extreme control. They're both detrimental to the development of the child and the maturity uh, of the child. Uh, the other thing, Nathan, that happens with these kind of people is that they become very narcissistic. You've, we talked about that before. Uh, the whole world must revolve around them because they have been the center of the control of the parent now. And they go into the world and they still want to be the center. And people can't stand self-centered people, quite frankly. They're yeah. offensive to other people. So they're never able again to develop friends, etc., etc. I mentioned the matter of entitlement. Quite frankly, they become spoiled rotten in these things. And, and that is what is very hurtful uh, to, to, uh, to the child. In the last couple of minutes, what would you say is the sixth principle that we need to keep in mind when uh, having successful parenting? Um, or did I lose track? Was that I, the sixth? I think that was it. That was the fifth. That was the, I think that was the I think that was the fifth. That was right? the fifth. Okay, give me a... Oh, okay. 
Just give me You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The name of the program is That's Truth, a live interactive call-in program. And we are just wrapping up our topic of corporal punishment and of discipline and how what the Bible says and how we should properly implement it. Pastor's been going through uh, six principles of how to successfully parent. And obviously, we believe that the Bible has all the answers that are needed. Uh, he was talking about the importance of developing respect for yourself as the parent and bonding with the child after punishment, showing them love and affection after you've had to paddle them, uh, control the child without without excessive nagging, uh, don't put too much materialistic items in their life as you can warp their view and not give them a, a sense of appreciation for what they have and also to avoid the extremes. The extreme on one end would be love and the extreme on the other end would be control. I think there were five of them. I okay, five. I, I, yeah, I mentioned right. 65 again. Uh, very quickly now, Pastor, as we wrap up this topic, you to this point have talked about uh, disciplining younger children. But what about teenagers? If you have a teenager and you are running into disciplinary issues in the last one minute, what kind of advice would you be able to give in that 60 yeah, seconds? Yeah, it's very difficult. Very quick. Let me just say this. You can't deal with a teenager. You deal with a, a, a non-teen. And I think parents need to understand that. Um, I would suggest to you that when you're dealing with teenagers, it's better to deal with them in the form of discipline. Deal with either deprivation of something or think of coming up with a system that offers them some kind of a reward. For example, I think one of the things that you need to find out is what exactly is important to the child uh, in terms of, uh, so that you can use that as an incentive. For example, do they like, is it the family car that they can, a certain age, I know when you're a teenager, you can, uh, you know. Uh, what about an allowance? If you give an allowance to them, you can use. What about this use of the cell phone? What about, um, for example, they like fashionable clothing? What about being able to socialize with their friends, etc.? I think you've got to find out what exactly is valuable to them and begin to use your discipline, exercising, either depriving them of that or come up with a system of rewards. That would be my recommendation and probably I'll kind of highlight a little bit more next time how specifically that works. Thank you for listening to That's Truth, and we hope that this information that has been shared over the last three weeks has been useful to you, especially in this day and age where there's so much confusion about corporal punishment and what the Bible really says about the topic. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth. Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.